Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today, we are taking a little intermission break from our Unstuck series, and This is a time for us to integrate. If you've listened to the past two episodes, the first one looking at it sucks to be stuck and how to use three principles to get unstuck. Now in this one, I shared a story of surfing, big wave surfing, and how I got caught getting repeatedly pummeled in what is called the inside zone, the swash zone, where I was hitting all this intense energy and trying really hard to get out to the waves to actually catch one. But in doing so, I wasn't really making it out to where I wanted to be. I was wasting a lot of energy doing the same thing over and over again. And in that story, the breaking point or the turning point came when I had to really just let my ego sit it out for a second and go onto the sand to collect my energy and to really come from a place of deeper wisdom and power for my next move. I wasn't out of the game, but I definitely knew that the game that I was playing wasn't going to lead to a win. And at first, that was not an easy decision for me to make because I am stubborn and I want it and I'm going to keep trying because I don't give up. And in that moment, I had to surrender because that was actually where the breakthrough was. So the idea here is if you're tired, if you're doing the same thing, if you're doing all the things, if you've been trying for years to do something, quite possible that you need a new approach. You need to see it from a different perspective. And that story did have a beautiful ending where I was able to catch the wave, but I had to do all the steps prior. I had to accept that what I'm doing is not working. I had to collect my energy. I had to intentionally withdraw, gather my awareness, observe, and once again, build my energy. And that allowed me to fill up my vital reserve so I could take the next move from a place of wisdom and power, not from being exhausted and totally depleted. And so that story is our first look into getting unstuck. And in the second story that I shared, I talked about a very personal journey that I've been on for the past 10 years of motherhood and just getting stuck in these relationships that were going nowhere. And I like to say that our conscious mind, okay, our conscious mind is very much directed by our ego. Our conscious mind is our goal setter. Our conscious mind, that is the one that will put all the things on the vision board. It will write out our desire list. It will set our goals in the new year. Our conscious mind really has a fixed idea of what it wants, and it really can accurately say it. It can describe it in detail. And usually there's some protective reasons on why we want that thing, whether it's getting societal approval, familial approval, or just feeling loved and approved of in ourselves. 
Because at the end of the day, we as humans, we want to love, we want to belong. So our ego really wants to help us with that, okay? Our conscious mind is our goal setter, but our unconscious is our goal getter. Now, this is really powerful to understand because the unconscious is super powerful. You've probably seen these schematics of an iceberg and the little top part that's visible in the surface is our conscious mind. And that big, massive root, which contains about nine times the volume of the surface. And in other words, the surface is only about 10% of what is visible in the iceberg. So think about back in 1912 when the Titanic sank. That little tiny piece of ice there didn't look like it was going to take down the entire ship. So why this is important is to first respect that, whoa, our unconscious holds a lot. It holds our belief systems. It holds our memory. It holds our shadow. All the repressed things that we do not want to see or own, do not want to feel. It is our reservoir of our feelings, our thoughts, our urges. And so when our conscious mind is the goal setter and our unconscious is the goal getter, if we're not really doing that deeper self-discovery work or pattern finding or fear inventory, it's going to be really hard for us to actually make change. Now, it's possible for us to make change, but it takes the ability to self-analyze, to be introspective, and to connect the dots. And now the average person doesn't really want to spend that time doing that. Now, I hope you are someone that is interested in getting deeper into why do you do the things you do? What holds you back? Now, in my story, I shared some pretty big traumas, traumas with capital T, and lead to complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, you absolutely do not need to have capital T traumas to still have blocks or things that are holding you back, which are generally rooted in the unconscious, the fears that lie there. What happens if I do recover? Who do I become on the other side of that? Ooh, I don't know. That's scary. Um, What happens if my relationships change in my life? What happens if I'm no longer the weak one in the relationship and the one who needs the help? What happens if I actually assume my full power, my sovereignty, my voice, and I own it. So there's a lot to unpack. Our unconscious mind is not just our own material. There is material that's psychologically inherited from our family line. There is material that is psychologically inherited from the collective. So this place, this unconscious is is a very powerful place. We want to start to have a dialogue with it. We want to start to open up to understand what what is there, what is driving us to be stuck. So given that we can't control our unconscious, and it has a profound impact on our life. Ooh, that can feel a little vulnerable. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm just always like, ooh, I, uh, okay, okay. Can't control you. You're really deeply rooted inside of my psyche. Okay, so how do I work with this energy? How do I create in my life, right? Because we do have powerful abilities to create when we can align that goal setter with our goal getter. Think about when you have that 90% backing you, oof, that goal setter can sling back an arrow and hit it right in the bullseye because it has the unconscious backing to it. Now, when the unconscious is going anti-directional to where you're trying to shoot your arrow, you're going to get no momentum. You're going to feel like, well, I tried and I just can't hit the target again and again and again. So what is really helpful in the process of connecting with the unconscious is being able to accept that you are not in control, that what you are doing seems to not be working. And when we're really stuck in an eating disorder or any type of addiction, I would say I really got addicted to these dramatic dating cycles, is you start to lose sight of all that. 
you're consciously focused on what you want, right? Whatever your eating disorder consciously is focused on or focused on not wanting, right? Because your eating disorder can be tied to some goal weight that you want to get to or maintaining a certain weight or not getting to a certain weight or needing to have a certain amount of exercise or a certain type of food can be very controlling. And I want this or I don't want this. And so the unconscious really is when we have to allow in, well, I'm going to accept whatever is. And when that happens, it's like, the unconscious begins to set up a new dialogue with you and you begin to see things differently. Often when we think about acceptance, we can be like, oh, it means that I like it and I want it and I'm accepting of it. When actuality, when we accept something, our ego has to loosen its grip. Our ego has to be like, that didn't work. So the ego has to loosen its grip. But then when the ego loosens its grip, the unconscious can start to deliver some more information to us to help us heal. Now, when the ego loosens its grip, we will inevitably feel some grief because what we were holding on to has lost some of its meaning. Now, I am going to do more shows on grief because it's so powerful. It's because grief is so important to the recovery process. There are many things to grieve the loss of an identity, the loss of behaviors, the loss of the control, all of these things. Grief is an essential part of getting to the acceptance phase. So having to grieve all the shame, the heaviness of this was a lot of my life or a lot of my energy that I put into this. And there's this thing called the sunk cost fallacy. And I'll be talking about this as we get into the series further. And I have on my whiteboard here, just to remind myself, grief, I like to break it down into go resolutely into every feeling. Because we often think that grief is just sadness. Grief is just going to be, I'm so sad, I'm going to cry. No, grief can be, I am angry. I am enraged. Or, or I feel so helpless right now. I feel so powerless. So the grief, the grief is just allowing the full expression of all these feelings, which have been repressed in the unconscious when we've just been focused head down in my story, paddle, 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 ah, wave, 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 paddle, paddle, paddle. I wasn't allowing for the experience to grief to hit. The grief hit when I rested and I surrendered and I got onto the shore. That's when the grief hit. That's when my ego loosened its grips. Now, this is an important part of the process. It's a reckoning. You would got to look yourself in the eye, in the mirror and be like, damn girl. Oh man, this has been so hard. This has challenged you in more ways than you can count. You have lost a lot of your precious energy to this. And this is heavy. This is hard. And this is when the skill of self-compassion is essential in this process because we can't hate ourselves. We can't beat ourselves up into a version of ourselves that we love. We ultimately need to be there for ourselves as we fall apart, as we surrender, as we loosen, and as we deepen our acceptance to all that has come before. It is a point in time where it's, I'm going to love what is no matter what. I'm going to love it if it's ugly. I'm going to love it if it's beautiful. I'm going to love it if it's happy. I'm going to love it if it's sad. It's a radical acceptance of what is. And this is really where everything shifts. When I look at my recovery story, this was a pivotal point. When I was saying, look, this is my body. Uh, My body's gonna even change beyond this. 
And I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm going to have to stop these obsessive behaviors around food and exercise. And I had to begin to change. And we'll be talking about what steps I took after that to fully recover from an eating disorder. Speaking about grief, today marks the one year since Ona, my beloved dog Ona, crossed over uh, the rainbow bridge, as they as they say for dogs. And this is a story that I shared about Ona overcoming Ona overcoming one of her deepest fears. And it's one of my favorite stories because I just love Ona so dearly. And it it was very life changing for me to watch her overcome this fear. And so I hope this story will help you see that you aren't stuck, that there are changes and shifts that you can make. And more often than not, what you are truly freaking out about, what you are so scared of, won't ever come to pass. And if it does come to pass, you actually have more resources than you know of to be able to handle it. It's kind of this idea of the kid and the monster in the closet. And we're like, there's no monster in the closet. Come on, there's no monster in the closet. And the kids really believes it's there, but it's not. And we have to really see fear as the illusion that it is. Because when we can do that, we can live fuller lives. We can stop wasting our time on things that truly don't matter. And Ona's death really was a very powerful moment for me. I had a nurse come to put her to sleep at home. I, I wanted to be there with her as she she crossed over. I was, you know, I was holding her little paw and I I've never I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but I was there when when her spirit left and, and her soul passed on. And we have a part of us that has nothing to do with our body. And that is really what is to, it's our soul self. And this is the part that when we get to the end of our life, that matters. We're not going to be looking at our nail length or our eyelash length or what size our waist was. None of that truly matters. When I know when you're struggling with an eating disorder and the ego just wants to believe, no, this is so important to me. And same thing if I'm struggling with the dating and I'm like, no, must have life partner to be happy. And it's like, wait, Jessica, like, girl, be happy right now. You don't even know how long your life is going to be. And it's just a, such a strong knowing. And I see from other people's examples, but just like, I know I can feel it is when you relax and you're like, stop trying to focus on the thing that you need to grasp onto it unfolds in how it's meant to. So I do believe I'm meant to have a badass, awesome relationship. I I believe deep in my heart I'm meant to have a great partner and just an awesome relationship. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if it's till death do you part, but it's an experience that I know I want to have. But it takes having to let go of that as like the main priority. Like this must happen. I must have this. And, the sa- and that was the exact process I had to let go of with eating disorder. I must, I must control my weight. I must not change. I must stop these behaviors. I must lose weight. All of that. I must get an A. <laughs> Just this like must, must, have to. This must, must, have to energy. This energy keeps us constricted. All of these fears and all of the fears behind it, which are generally, once again, protective fears. They're trying to keep us safe. They're trying to help us be loved. But when we recognize that our soul self this part of us that can just be and just express itself. But we can be love in any moment. We can embody it in our own unique way, with our own unique essence. And so in this lesson, in this story, I do talk about stepping outside of your comfort zone and seeing what type of connection can happen 
when you do that. Connection with self, connection with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones, your partner, with your animals, with the divine, God, the universe, whatever higher power that you feel connected to. This connection is always there for us. It's always there for us. And this connection is ultimately what helps us heal. And as we continue and close out this series with two more shows, you'll learn more on how to do that. So without further ado, let's get into the story with my dear Ona and just a tribute to such a sweet soul, which I have an immense privilege of getting to love. In our lesson today, I'm going to share a story in hopes of inspiring you to take a step toward your fear, not steps away. Now, it's so common with fear to have this kind of imaginary line that you draw that I will go not one step past this line because this is my safety zone. This is my comfort zone, whether it's conscious or unconscious. This idea of having a comfort zone and anything outside of it feels too scary to go into. So what happens when you actually have something outside of your comfort zone that you truly desire, right? This is something that you want to have or be or do and it is outside of the comfort zone. Well, what I believe is that when we are unable to cross outside of that comfort zone, we begin to suffer. We suffer when we hold ourselves back in who we are capable of becoming. And this idea of comfort zone and really stepping into who you are at your best reminds me of my beloved dog, Ona, and a story and how she has been able to overcome her fears in order to really step into the best, most amazing dog she could possibly be. And by listening, you may find some of yourself in her story. So it all begins back in 2012, December 21st, 2012. And if you don't remember, that was when the Mayan calendar predicted the end of the world. (laughs) But it was actually the beginning of new life for a dog named Ona. And I was at the time living in a small fishing uh, and surfing village in Mexico. And I was living here in Mexico because at the time I was in a relationship with a Spaniard that I met in graduate school when I was doing my degree in marine geophysics. And I finished my master's degree and I was a seagoing oceanographer. So I would spend 100 days a year, more or less, non-consecutively out at sea, going on oceanic expeditions to Hawaii, South Africa, Australia, Fiji, It was all over the world. And the other 265 days, I would stay in Mexico. I would surf in the morning and I would work on developing the Rise Up and Recover app. Now, this is an app that I created to help people who have eating disorders monitor their meals and learn more about the behavioral drivers of their eating disorder. So at this time period, uh, I was in the relationship and, you know, you often kind of think, well, are we going to go anywhere? Let's get a dog first before doing anything any before doing anything more serious than that. And so our friends had a recent litter of puppies. And when it came time to pick the puppy, I felt pulled towards this one that was the darkest of all the litter. The rest were just really blonde puppies and she had some more darker colors to her and I thought, "Okay, I'll take this one." And so I took her and I adopted Ona. Ona means wave, like an ocean wave in the language of Catalan. 
So I was with a Spaniard from Barcelona and they speak a language called Catalan. And so Ona, my little ocean wave, came with me back to the house. Now I quickly discovered that Ona wasn't necessarily a quote-unquote normal puppy. All of the other puppies were crawling all over me and licking me. And Ona was scared of everything. She was scared of light sources and sound sources. And honestly, I did question, did I pick the right puppy? Like this one is, this one seems pretty complicated. You know, she's scared of everything and, you know, she won't let me touch her belly. I I thought maybe there could have been a developmental issue that she had. And I was a little bit concerned that, hmm, this dog doesn't seem normal. And it turns out that Ona's very sensitive extremely sensitive. It took her a few weeks to adjust living with us. We needed to earn her trust slowly to let her know that she's safe and that she's okay. So this sensitive superpower of Ona's was something that I discovered very early. And she also was an explorer, just like me. And true to her Sagittarius spirit, she loved freedom and being able to roam around the rocks on the shore of the beach that we lived at. I would go out to surf and jump into the water and she would stay there and just play around and she just loved to have her freedom. And then one day, something changed. A giant, ginormous whale washed up onto the beach, dead. And in this little fishing, surfing village, they don't necessarily have a whale cleanup crew. So their response to the giant, ginormous whale washing up on the beach was, leave it, leave it there until it's no longer there. Now you can only imagine the smell of a giant decomposing whale carcass. I Well, I hope you actually can't imagine the smell of it because it is putrid and it is pungent and it was so... Now, during this time, Ona would love to go explore around the whale. And dogs and cats, they have this really, they have this interesting behavior where they love to rub themselves in dead things. So Ona would go and rub herself in whale guts and would come back home really proud, like, hey, mom, look at me. Can't you see that I found a dead whale for us to eat for dinner? (laughs) And I'd be like, oh my God, Ona, what are you doing? So I would take the hose outside and I would clean her off. And this happened dozens and dozens of times because this whale took months and months and months to decompose. And there was one time in particular where Ona came to the front door covered in whale guts. And I was just having one of those days, you know, where I was just stressed out and I didn't want to have it. I was just, mm, that was the last straw. So I reacted heavily to Ona. I was so angry at her and it was cold outside and I didn't want to wash her out there. So I was just, I grabbed her tightly and I brought her into the house and I put her in the shower and I was shampooing her with an energy of being very mad. What are you doing? In Spanish, we say castigada. You are punished. I'm so upset with you. Why did you do this? And she was shaking and trembling because she didn't know what she did wrong. And here I was so upset with her being covered in whale guts again when I had things I had to do and I was not wanting to do this. Enter trauma. Just this one event changed Ona because of the energy that I reacted to the situation with 
and this sensitive, this little sensitive soul bringing her into this new location, being so angry with her. From that point forward, Ona never would even step a paw into the bathroom. Like she would avoid the rooms that even came close to the bathroom. And since that time, we moved to three new houses together and she never would go near the bathroom. Bathroom off limits. Ona had such a strong association with the bathroom being scary and bad that she would not dare cross that line. So fast forward now, six years later, Ona, still super afraid of bathrooms, will not cross the line of going into the bathroom. By this point, her and I are so bonded. We've been through everything. We've been through so much together. She was with me every step of the way of breakups and cross-country moves and starting companies and releasing apps and doing podcasts. She was with me every step of the way. She's right next to me right now as I record this. The ultimate companion in my life. An emotional support dog through and through. Her sensitivity is her greatest superpower. And one day, I was having a major emotional meltdown. I was dating this guy and I projected all of my lovability and desirability onto him. And of course the projection fell and I was so devastated and I was dramatically bawling my eyes out on the bathroom floor. And Ona was there watching me fall apart emotionally and I could see her standing right at the door of the bathroom. And I was just crying and crying and crying. And she did her little whimper like, come here, get out of the bathroom. I'm here for you, but I'm not going to go any closer because you're in the bathroom. I was in such a hard place in my life at that moment in time. I was so wrapped up in my own emotional pain. And what took me out of it was as I started to notice where Ona was going through her own inner conflict of whether she should cross the line, come closer to me to do what she does best, emotional support, or if she should stay back and wait for me to come out of the bathroom. She had this competing tension. I could see it. It was so alive in her where she, where she was starting to put her paw into the bathroom and then putting it back and then putting it forward a little more. And then there was this point where it was almost like if dogs could talk, she said, F it. <laughs> I'm going in. I'm helping my human. And, and she went straight to me as if she just did the scariest thing of her life. And she started licking me all over the face and saying, I'm here for you. Her tail was wagging. It was a proud moment for her because she crossed the line. This line that she would not dare to cross for six years. She crossed it. I was so proud of her to see her overcome this fear. And it totally took me away from my own emotional falling apart. Because I was like, wow, Ona, you did it. She was changed after that. From that moment forward, she would freely come in and out of the bathroom. The bathroom was no longer a scary place for her. All these years, the bathroom was so off limits, so scary, don't even dare. And now the bathroom's just, just another room in the house. She comes into the bathroom when I'm showering all the time and just sits there and waits for me to finish my shower. So she's no longer scared of the bathroom. So one, she had overcome her fear. And two, she also needed to have trust. And watching Ona overcome her fear has been one of the most remarkable things for me to, to witness because I see it in so many people, so many of us. 
we have these things that happen early in our life, these little traumas or big capital T traumas. And we go through life saying, not that. (laughs) I don't want to go there. Nope, that's scary. Not going to do that. Not going to cross that line. I'll go in all the other rooms, but I won't go into that room. So we all have these things that have happened to us, whether someone hurt us uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Someone made us feel less than intentionally or unintentionally. And these end up creating that line in the sand of where I feel safe going here, I don't feel safe going here. I feel safe with this, I don't feel safe with this. And then there comes a time when we have to face that fear in order to become who we're fully meant to be. We have to put our foot where we're afraid for it to go and trust. Trust that if we go into this new situation, that it's not going to be like the old situation. And then when we start to go into this new environment, this new place that we've been so scared of, more often than not, we realize that there's nothing to be scared of all of this time. And if something that you don't want to happen does happen, it's important to realize that you're different now. You have more resources available to cope. Now, how does Ona's overcoming of her fear apply to you? Where is the bathroom in your life? We always have the option to take one step forward into growth or one step back into safety. And I highly, highly recommend taking those steps forward into growth. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this warrior.